So I'll talk about the glory of this particular Damodar pastime from three distinct perspectives. And we will have questions at any time during the class. So you can feel free to ask questions anytime and I will feel free to not answer them. <laughs> what I mean is if the question is not directly relevant, I will wait till the end, otherwise I will answer it immediately. So the first characteristic of this pastime is that it is the first major pastime without any villain in it. <laughs> if we see Krishna's Vrindavan pastimes, as they are described in the Tasham Skanda of the Bhagavatam, the 10th canto, they begin with one after another, demons coming and acting as villains. So there is Putana, then Shaktasur, then Trunavartha, and all these demons come. And of course, there are pastimes where Krishna shows his universal form to Mother Yashoda, or Krishna steals butter. But this is the first major pastime is remembered, celebrated. Krishna stealing butter pastimes keep happening constantly in one this childhood. But this particular pastime is a pastime without any demon involved directly. In one sense, we can understand Krishna Leela by comparing it with movies or novels. Of course, there is significant difference, but there are significant similarities. The idea is that if we consider this is our experienced reality, our daily reality. Now, a defining characteristic of our daily reality is that it is boring. <laughs> Life is not always interesting or enjoyable. A job becomes boring, we stay at the same place over time, it becomes boring and we need a break from it. And that break is offered by entertainment. Entertainment essentially means we go away from our daily reality towards some kind of virtual reality. However, this aspiration for some better reality, some richer, sweeter, more relishable reality, which often takes us into an illusion that occurs because we belong to a better reality. So this is our daily reality. From here we can go down to an illusory or a virtual reality, but we can rise up to a spiritual reality. And while both of these are moving away from our present reality, one takes us towards eternal reality. Another takes us away even from the temporary reality. But still, because both of them are meant at one level to draw our attention away from our daily reality, so there are some similarities in it. When now Prabhupada translates the word Leela in a particular way in English, what is this translation? Pastime. Now generally in see every language, every word has a particular, not just a denotation but also connotation. So, those connotations, connotations are implications. They are very difficult to translate. The literal meaning can be translated. So, so pastime sometimes means just something done to pastime when you are bored. But that is not the meaning of Leela. Leela actually means something which is done to express one's love. So, pastime does not here simply 
convey the idea of uh, some way to just kill time. What it conveys is there is no obligation in it. If somebody says, okay, tennis is my pastime. What that means, it could mean is, okay, I'm just playing it because I'm bored. Or it could be mean that I'm not obliged to play it. I'm not a professional player. I don't have to play it to earn a living. I'm playing it because I enjoy it. So the here pastime doesn't mean wasting time. It means something Krishna does for his pleasure. So now, if we consider a movie, generally <coughs> any kind of entertainment, whether it be movie or novel, it moves forward based on tension. That there has to be some suspense, some kind of anxiety, some conflict, which creates the intrigue, interest and even intrigue among the readers or viewers. What's going to happen next? And one of the common sources of conflict is a villain. So there's a hero and there's a villain. And the conflict between them is what creates the tension. Now when there is no villain in a movie, then what happens? Then human nature has to become the villain. What that means is, by our human nature, we are finite beings. So A says something to B, but B understands it from something else and they have a misunderstanding and both are good people, but they start fighting with each other. And that's how the tension comes in over there. So tension has to be created in some way. And when there is no action, when there is no villain and there is no direct confrontation or violence, then that time, if the movie is to be riveting, there has to be a, a deeper a glimpse or deeper insight into the minds and hearts of the characters. Okay, what is this person thinking? What is this person feeling? How is this person processing this event? And to the extent that that is interesting, what are the thoughts and feelings and intentions and motivations of particular people? To that extent, that movie or novel becomes interesting. So similarly, in the Damodar Leela, the absence of a villain could, in one sense, decrease the dramatic action. But what it does is, it gives us an opportunity to go deeper into the minds and hearts of the characters. So the heart of Krishna, the heart of Yashoda, and the heart of the Vrajavasis also. In this way, this pastime gives us a very intimate picture of Krishna. Now, <clears throat> if we consider this pastime, there, is a, these are the, there are five rasas, five prominent flavors in which Krishna relates with his devotees in the spiritual world. Which are those five flavors? Does anyone remember? Let's start from the Shanta, Dasya, then Sakya, Vatsalya and Madhurya, wonderful, thank you. So Shanta is passive admiration. Oh, God is so wonderful. I'm just awestruck by His glory. So in this, from awe, you can have two words. One time I gave a class and one devotee gave with a bright smile on his face. Prabhu, this class was awful. 
shocked and looking at him <laughs> and and he was broadly smiling i was wondering is he sarcastic or what <laughs> then i realized he was not, he didn't know english very well he wanted to say class was awesome <laughs> and he made it awful <laughs> so actually aw is the is a sense of appreciation fear admiration all of that combined to see something wonderful so that is shantaras then dasya is active servitude oh god is so great i want to do something for him then after sakya is god, god is my friend the highest rasas are considered vatsalya and madhurya in vatsalya the devotee treats the lord like a child i'll explain what vatsalya a little bit later soon but the idea is that while krishna is the supreme krishna doesn't delight in being the supreme krishna delights in the reciprocation of love and that is why there is he he sometimes takes a subordinate role krishna wants to relish love in all flavors in all relationships if god is supreme then the only relationship he can have is he supreme and everybody subordinate to him but that would mean he would be deprived of many other relationships and he doesn't want to be deprived and nor does he want his devotees to have relationships only in particular flavors that's why he uh, takes his uh, rasaraj he relishes relationships in multiple flavors and one of the relationships he takes on the relationship of a uh, of a child for his mother and then beyond that there is the madhurya ras where it is the conjugal relationship between him and the gopis now in general in the higher rasas see in the madhurya ras also in the rasa panchadhyay which chapter 29 to 33 in the shrimad bhagavatam 10th canto which is considered to be the heart of the shrimad bhagavatam the most cherished most intimate past chapters in the entire bhagavatam in those in that past time also there is no villain Hmm? there again there is a misunderstanding you no know, krishna thinks that the gopis are proud and the gopis greater think that krishna is unloving hmm. so at that time also there is that a deeper glimpse into the hearts of the gopis and the hearts of, heart of krishna so with respect to the higher rasas often often the focus becomes more on the characters and not so much on the action in terms of the confrontation between the hero and the villain it's there but it's not so much needed so we get so if you want to know a character there are some movies which are just action movies and you know if the action is good the fight scenes are good they are entertaining but at the end of it if we don't know the character okay why is this character fighting what is the motivation what is driving this character then there is not much connect with the character and it could just be a robot fighting also so what happens is in these mad in vatsalya and madhuras past times the action is there but it's not that dramatic it's not there no confrontation with any villain but in that process we can get a closer deeper picture of krishna and his devotees now the madhuras past times are the highest however <coughs> those past times can be relatively easily misunderstood when krishna is interacting with the gopis 
then we may think of that pastime as a similar to a, a, a mundane-male-female relationship. And then that may lead us to trigger similar mundane emotions in our heart, which can take us away from Krishna. So these are more, those emotions can be more rajasic in the mode of passion and it can go down to ignorance also if they are triggered. However, if we approach Krishna's pastime with his mother, Krishna is a child. So at that time also we may in one sense have mundane emotions. That is that we may think, oh, just as Krishna is a child, small child and Mother Yashoda is his mother, similarly I have my child. And now that, that is, that may be mundane, but among all forms of love in the world, a love of a parent for a child is among the most selfless. In fact, while all living beings have children, nature has arranged human reproduction or human, uh, human progeny in such a way that the human progeny needs the maximum care for not just a few months or a few weeks or a few months, for several years human progeny needs care. And that needing to care for another life form that actually brings out the selflessness within a person. So even if we are attracted to Krishna's Vatsyalara's uh, pastime from a mundane perspective, oh Krishna is like my child and I am like a mother or a father, even then the emotion that is triggered is sattvic. Sattvic in the sense that it is, I have to care for someone. And that is uplifting. So the, the misunderstanding leading to, uh, leading to the impurity is much lesser. Whereas misunderstanding that will gradually lead to upliftment, the possibility of that is much higher. So there are no villains in this pastime, but there is dramatic action. And that action is more in terms of revealing the hearts of the characters involved. So that's the first aspect. Now the second is that this is the first pastime in the entire, in, in you could say almost in all of Vrindavan Leela, or if not all of Krishna Leela, it's among the, this is the first pastime definitely in Vrindavan Leela, where Krishna shows fear. Vaktram niniya bhayabhavanaya sthitasya samam vimoyati bhirapiyat bibheti. Right in the first canto of Srimad Bhagavatam, in the first major prayers that are offered in the Bhagavatam, which are the first major prayers in the Bhagavatam? Sorry? Yes, Kunti Maharani's prayers. Thank you. So there she says, that the Krishna is Vaktram Niniya, he is looking down. Bhayabhavanaya Sitasya. He is filled with fear. Samam Vimohayati. And this astonishes me. This I can't understand this. I can't process it. See, if if somebody is angry with us, or even if uh, if we uh, are afraid of someone, even if they're not angry with us. Then what happens is, we generally avoid looking at them in the eyes. We look, look everywhere. Suddenly, if somebody is angry with us, suddenly the floor looks very interesting. <laughs> 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 so, 
we generally avoid meeting the eyes of those who not only who are angry with us but all the more so if we have angered them sometimes that person may be angry just because they are short tempered or because something else has triggered them even then we will avoid looking at them uh, what we will hope is that they don't look at us they don't notice us and we can get away <laughs> from the range of their anger but if we have angered them and if we have to meet them then we try to avoid avoid meeting their eyes so krishna is like that over here krishna is fearful so he is looking down in fear now this is amazing at multiple levels both at a philosophical level and at a relational level at a philosophical level it is god who is both the source of fear and the source of fearlessness hmm? krishna is the source of fear you know we shila prabhupad's name what was his birth name abhay so abhay was his birth name it became abhay charan after initiation so the idea is that god is the source of fearlessness one who takes shelter of krishna lotus field becomes fearless bhajahure mana shinandanandana abhaya charana ravindari so at one level krishna is the source of fearlessness at another level krishna is the source of fear it is said in the bhagavatam that madbhayadvatiyavatoyam suryastapati madbhayad madbhayad varshati indra dahati agni mutyuscharati madbhayad that it is out of fear of the lord that the sun rises on time it is out of fear of the lord that the wind flows it is out of fear of the lord that the rains fall so here this fear is not a see fear can have two different connotations one is the fear associated with terror where we are afraid that something will destroy me there's another kind of fear that is associated with displeasure that means if i love someone if i respect someone i care for someone i'm afraid of displeasing that person hmm? and these two fears are not the same so in one sense the first kind of fear that somebody will destroy me that i might do something which will provoke someone and that person will destroy me that fear is not very palatable and that fear doesn't necessarily help us to do good things we might protect ourselves better but that can make us paranoid however the fear that i don't want to displease those whom i respect those who are my well wishers that fear is actually a healthy fear and that fear keeps us on the right track so krishna is the source of both fear and fearlessness fear in the sense that in the second sense that for those who are in knowledge who are aware of the nature of reality they understand that i do not want to displease god not because god is vindictive but because if i displease him that indicates that i am myself going on a self destructive path and i should not do that so <clears throat> generally now as children if when the children should children be afraid of their parents well certainly parents should not be afraid of their children 
ऑफकोर्स पेरेंट्स कैन बी अफ्रेड फॉर देयर चिल्ड्रन ओके माई चाइल्ड्रन शुड नॉट गेट हर्ट माई शुड नॉट गेट बट समाइम द पेरेंट्स हैव टू डिसिप्लिन देयर चिल्ड्रन एंड दैट इज नॉट अ प्लेजेंट थिंग टू डू बट दैट्स अ नेसेसरी थिंग टू डू no if a child is not afraid of the parents then maybe the other children have to be afraid of that child <laughs> because who will put boundaries on that child isn't it who will who will discipline that child same principle we can say if somebody says i am not afraid of god if somebody has no fear of god then such a person needs to be feared because what will bring boundaries in that person's life i'm not saying that everybody who's atheistic is necessarily having no boundaries but it's quite likely at the boundaries that come from the understanding that i'm accountable to some higher being those boundaries often keep us civilized and virtuous so so there is at a philosophical level krishna is both the source of fear and fearlessness so fear so that we don't cross boundaries uh, ethical or legal or moral boundaries uh, but fearlessness in the sense that when we are on the right path we know that krishna is with us machitta sarvadargani mat prasada tarishyasi so it's like if we are going on a dark alley and we see somebody coming somebody coming heavy set person we might become a little fearful but then we say that person is actually a police person then rather than fear it become we feel fearless So on the other hand, if some thief was coming to sneak in on us, and the thief sees the fear police person, now the thief becomes fearful and goes away. So Krishna is the source of fear for those who are violating boundaries, and Krishna is the source of fearlessness for those who are living within boundaries. Just like a police person is a source of fear for the lawbreakers and a source of fearlessness for the law abiders. so that's at, so at the philosophical level it's krishna who is the source of fear of fearlessness so how can it be that krishna is feeling fear so that is the magic of the leela krishna in one sense is never afraid of anyone but when he is performing his pastimes at that time as i said he wants to have the complete gamut of relationships and in each relationships he wants to in relation to have the complete gamut of emotions that are associated with that relationship so like a child who has done mischief child feels afraid you know what will my mother say what will my mother do so krishna is similarly afraid he knows that he has done some mischief he knows that he has broken some pots he knows that he has wasted butter so he is angry but uh, initially is angry and he did all this but after the anger subsided the anger is replaced by fear now what is my mother going to do and because of that fear he initially ran away but eventually when he was caught he was really scared what is my mother going to do now so now this fear at a philosophical level is incomprehensible but at a level of past time at the level of leela what we understand is krishna is simply relishing the sweetness of the relationship over there and within that every emotion that is there he is a 
accommodating, including that. <coughs> For any relationship to be fulfilling, we could say there are multiple levels in a relationship. First is, we could say we feel the need for a relationship. Say for example, we feel the need for God. That is, we realize that I am in a vulnerable situation in this world. Even if I can arrange for various ways of protecting myself. But still everything is fallible, everything is temporary. So feeling the need for God is one level of relationship. And that is good. So we, we may have some devotees, senior devotees who guide us, our spiritual master, our diksha guru, our shiksha guru, our counselor, our mentor, they guide us. So we feel the need for guidance. That is a good step. If we don't feel the need for guidance, then we are really in need of guidance. <laughs> it's we all need guidance, but to not feel that need, that rarely indicates that we have become independently thoughtful. That just indicates that we have become reckless. So, it's good to feel the need for guidance. And that is, we could say, the beginning of the relationship. But as we grow, like a, again, we take a, like a child-parent relationship, the child feels the need, you know, should I do this, should I not do this, ask the parents. But then, for that relationship to grow further, there is the need for a relationship, and there is also the need to be needed in the relationship. Or needed, need to be feel, need to feel needed in the relationship. So, if we have, say, some spiritual guide, our spiritual master, or our shiksha guru, or who is very expert, very experienced, very wise, and whatever problem we have, they always have ready solutions. And then we feel very inspired and impressed by them. But then one day we are talking with them, and they say, you know, I've been facing this problem for a long time. And we've been tried this and tried this and tried this and nothing is working. I'm not sure what to do. Do you have any ideas? Now, if we are at a very superficial level, we think, hey, I thought you were perfect. You're just putting on a facade of being perfect. You are just, you also have feet of clay like everyone else. Now, if we had that utopian idea, that might create a uh, rupture in our relationship, might injure our relationship. But if we have an appreciation of real relationships, what we will see is, that means that this exalted person considers me trustworthy enough to share the problems that they are facing. And that indicates a, a further proximity, intimacy in the relationship. It's just like in a ch child, generally children have problems and they go to the parents and the parents solve the problems. But if the child becomes a young adult and an adult, then the parents may share their problems with the child. You know, we have this issue, we have this issue. What do you think we can do about it? And that doesn't mean the parents are, that doesn't mean the parents are imperfect. That means the parents trust that their child has become trustworthy. So similarly, in any relationship, for that relationship to become closer, we need not only, we not only need that relationship, we need to feel needed in that relationship. And that actually, as I said, takes the relationship at a much deeper level. And Krishna wants to give 
wants to give that experience even to his devotees. And when Krishna, so that's when Krishna acts hungry. I'm like, Mother Ishuda, I'm at the start of this pastime. The phone has a need to feel needed now. <laughs> so, when Krishna at the start of this pastime, Mother Ishuda is churning butter and singing Krishna's glories and he goes to Mother Ishuda and catches her legs, catches the grinding mortar and he says, please, he doesn't even speak. It's an interesting dynamic in this pastime, at least as it is given in the, in the Bhagavatam. Krishna doesn't speak a single word in this pastime. At least in his interaction with Mother Yashoda. Hmm? So Krishna is running and Krishna is not speaking at all. So it's, you could say, in like 100, 100 years ago we had these silent movies. <laughs> so at that time the people had to act much more to convey because there were no words to complement the visuals. So of course in later retellings, in Gopal Champur, Krishna speaks on some occasions. I'll come to that later. But Krishna doesn't speak, Krishna just holds on to Mother Yashoda's grandmother and she understands he's hungry. And that she feels needed. Similarly, when Krishna, Krishna commits mischief. Krishna's mischief is not just so that he can have fun. It is, Mother Yashoda feels needed. I need to discipline my child. And for that purpose, she takes on a stern demeanor. And Krishna takes on an appropriately docile demeanor. He's fearful. Yeah, I've committed a mistake. You know, please don't punish me too much. And so, this fear is actually a deep, is a, is a reflection of the deepening of the relationship between Krishna and Mother Yashoda. So, the need to be needed is a vital need. In today, and it is a need that cannot be taken away. So, <clears throat> if we consider feminism, now feminism has also had many generations, because the third or fourth generation of feminism is quite disruptive. So, first and second generation of feminism were more about women should have equal rights, property rights, inheritance rights, and other things. And, but the third and fourth generation of feminism are very aggressive. Say, for example, they say like marriage and motherhood are traps which prevent women from having a fulfilling career. Okay, even if you accept that premise, what that neglects is the point that everyone has this need to be needed. And in six of the, I don't know how it is in Australia, but in the six biggest cities in America, I believe New York, DC, LA, San Francisco, Chicago and one more city. And six of these cities, among Caucasians, Caucasian families, the number of pets are more than the number of children. <laughs> so, what has happened over here? Okay, you say motherhood or parenthood is a trap, we don't want it. But then the need to be needed is there. The need to nurture is there. And instead of directing it towards human children, we direct it toward pets. So, we cannot have a unidimensional vision of the human person. So, even Krishna in his relationship in the spiritual world, there is that need to be needed. And Mother Yashoda feels, I have to discipline Krishna. If I don't discipline him, then what will happen? She's deeply concerned, she's worried. Now, at one level, it might seem like a little overreaction. 
that Krishna has just eaten some butter, disrupted some pots. Mother, she was running all around with the house and then around the courtyard. And she has a stick about to beat him. And then she has, she's taking a rope and tying him up. Oh, what's going on? So actually, it's not overreaction. It's, there's a history to this. That previously, the Vraja ladies have come to Mother Yashoda and had told her, that Krishna steals butter from our houses. And now Mother Ishwada hears them and she looks at Krishna. And Krishna makes such a sweet, innocent face. <laughs> Stealing butter? He says, why should I steal butter? You know, Mother Maya, your butter is the best butter. <laughs> so he's also applying butter on her mind now. <laughs> so, he says, your butter is the best butter. Why would I steal anyone? They're just lying. And Krishna is so innocent and vehement in his denial that Mother Yashoda just, uh, she just laughs and she offers some gifts and pacifies the Raja ladies with sweet words and they go away. But, what when we, when we love for someone and we care for someone, if we hear something negative about them, we may not want to believe it. But still, that thought, that information just stays inside our head. And it just lurks behind, creating a nagging fear, a nagging doubt. So similarly for Mother Yashoda, could it really be true that my, my, my kana is stealing butter? And then, when this, when she sees how Krishna has broken all the butter pots and Krishna is giving the butter to the monkeys, it means her fears are confirmed. Her fear, oh, is all that these Vraja ladies were telling me. It's all true. Hey, Krishna is doing all this. And then, a child is just mischievous and restless. The parents think about the future of the child. So Mother Yashoda, at one level, her fear is selfish. How can my child be like this? But on the level, it is not selfish. Kavi Karanapur Champu says that Mother Ishida is thinking that if it is now it seems to be true that Krishna is stealing butter. And he has been doing this who knows for how long. And the Braja ladies have been complaining about it. He says if Krishna gets the reputation of being a thief. Then, in future, who will give their daughter in marriage to him? <laughs> and therefore, I have to discipline him right now. And that is why her anger is, in one sense, circumstantially it seems to be overreaction, but it is not. There is both the history and there is a future. There is the there's accumulated apprehension from the past, from her history, and there is the fear about the future. And all that comes up in her anger. And while she's angry at Krishna, Krishna is fearful. So, this fear is actually a testament or a testimony to the glory of the love of Mother Yashoda. Right? Who can actually make God fearful? Satang Kanetram, as in Namodarashtra, we say.
सो आतंक इज फियर डीप फियर मॉर्टल फियर ही इज इन सच फियर वॉट इज मदर गोइंग टू डू टू मी नाउ एंड कृष्णा ही बाय दिस फियर वॉट हैपन्स इज ही ट्राइज टू पैसिफाई पैसिफाई मदर यशोदा initial mother she has a stick in her hand but when she sees how fearful krishna is then she puts aside the stick and she says okay i want to punish him but i don't want to terrorize him you know generally when there is when there is disciplining to be done there's always a thin line you know how much do we discipline if we discipline too much that suppose our child has just gone away and gone on the road playing and has maybe i got in trouble but but we protected the child Don't be angry with the child. You know, don't go and run on the road like this. Don't go and talk with strangers. Don't go to unfamiliar places. But maybe if you become too angry, the child may go upset and may run away again. There is that fear also. It's like say we have invited some respected guest to our home for prasad, and then uh, they are late. So we are annoyed, but we don't want to express that annoyance because you know. they 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 elder maybe they are older to us they senior to us they respected you know if we are too angry they may just go away without taking prasad we don't want that but at the same time we do not we we are annoyed so we will not say you have come late you may say prasad has become cold <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> so there is a indirect way of expressing displeasure and those who are wise they they will understand it like once this happened i had come with one devotee i had got so sometimes some people they just don't get it so prasad has become cold can't you heat it again <laughs> so, i just missed the point completely <laughs> one time one devotee came after i made this point only in a class after that he came and he asked me i have a very serious philosophical question I said okay he says if we insult someone and if that person doesn't get the insult <laughs> then do we get the karma so i <laughs> i was thinking that if you are karma conscious then why insult someone at all you know then of course i explained that there is intent content and consequence you know what was our intent what did we speak now even if the consequence in terms of the person understanding was not there there is all karma is determined by all these three factors what we did why we did and what was the result of what we did but anyway the point is that mother ishuda doesn't want to be too strong with krishna that's why she puts aside the stick and she ties krishna so the fear is there in krishna and that actually is flavoring enriching her relationship relationship of mother yashoda with krishna and this is the first past time where krishna exhibits fear even when putana has come krishna closes his eyes but the acharyas are quite emphatic that is not due to fear It is just this rude displeasure. Krishna doesn't want to look at somebody who is a killer of children. And even when Trinavart comes and takes Krishna away, Krishna's eyes are wide open because Krishna is having a free air ride yeah. <laughs> and he's enjoying it. The only other time when Krishna expresses fear 
is later when the demon Shalva attacks Dwarka and he creates an effigy of Vasudev and he cuts off the, not the effigy, a replica, a, a illusory replica of Vasudev and he chops off the head of Vasudev. And Krishna is grief struck at that time. What happened? But then within a few moments, Krishna recovers. So generally, Krishna exhibits fear primarily in the Vatsalya Ras, in that relationship. Otherwise, there is anger when some, some when of his devotees are, devotees are endangered or threatened or troubled. But fear is rare. So it's generally in the Vatsalya Ras. And in the last, the, so there are no villains in this pastime and yet there is fear. Normally we would say it's a villain which creates fear. Sometimes the villain is very powerful and then the hero also may be afraid of that villain till the hero becomes strong enough to fight. But here there is no villain and yet there is fear. And the last speciality of this pastime, again, again in the chronology of Rindavan pastimes, this is the first pastime where prayers are offered to Krishna. Hmm? There is the Garbhastuti, but that is not in Vrindavan. Garbhastuti is the prayers that are offered to Krishna when he is in his mother's womb, Garbha, the womb. But those are in Mathura. In Vrindavan, the Vrajavasis don't pray to Krishna. They pray for Krishna. <laughs> they pray for Krishna. When Putana catches Krishna and takes him, or Krishna goes away with Putana, he is, he is actually, she has not caught hold of him, he has caught hold of her and go away. And after that, they will recover Putana. Then they put Tilak on his body and chant various Vishnu mantras for the protection of Krishna. So, why is that? Because the Vrajavasis, they don't really think of Krishna as God. At one level, they know he is God, but another level, that knowledge has gone into the background of their consciousness. Their love for him is so great, I think he is just our lovable lad. He is just the prince of Rindavan. And we have to take care of him. So they are of course a, a religious community. So for them, Vishnu is God. And they think that Vishnu has specially blessed Krishna. And that's why Krishna is always protected. That's why Krishna has, although he goes through these extraordinary dangers, he still stays safe. He always, miraculously seemingly, emerges unscathed through bone-chilling dangers. And Gargamuni also plays a role in that. When Gargamuni comes for the first time to Vrindavan and he names Krishna, is the Namakaran of Krishna and Balram. So now, as a Brahmana, he doesn't want to uh, speak a lie. But at the same time, see, there is, we often think of opposites, you know, either we speak a lie or we speak a truth. But reality is not that simple. There could be, there could be what you call, in between lying and speaking the truth is, like a selective disclosure of truth. We don't tell a full truth. And sometimes that's what is required in the best interest of everyone involved. So what does Gargacharya do? He tells, he takes the, makes the horoscope of Krishna and he says that this child is just like Vishnu. 
Now, one of the names of Vishnu is Asamurdhva. And there is no one equal to him, no one superior to him. So to, to say that somebody is like Vishnu, the only person who is like Vishnu is Vishnu himself. So, in one sense, he is giving the truth. But in another sense, it could be said that this is a glorification. In traditional India, when a couple would get married, often when they are going in a procession, it may say that they look like Lakshmi Narayan. They are just like Sitaram. Uh, so, when this is said, now it is understood that this is like a glorification. It is both a glorification and an aspiration. And this is how their life can be. So, so now he is speaking from a philosophical perspective to say that actually there is Vishnu only. But Narada takes it, sorry, Nanda Maharaj takes it as, oh, he's, he's glorious like Vishnu. And also he says, previously he was the son of Vasudev. Now, previously can mean many things. Hmm. Now suppose on a cold night, a person takes a dozen ice creams. And the next morning they wake up with a terrible throat. Previous night they were saying ice cream. And now it is ice cream. <laughs> so now was it due to their past karma? That now they have a sore throat? Yeah, it is past karma, but past night's karma. <laughs> Not past life's karma. <laughs> so similarly, when he says previously, Nanda Maharaj thinks that this refers to a previous lifetime. Hmm? That, oh, we are all related to each other. In previous life also we are related. So in a previous lifetime he was the son of Vasudev. But when he is saying previously, what he means? In this lifetime only previously. Before he came under your care, before you became his foster father, he was the son of Vasudev. So in a sense, there is both awareness and non-awareness of Krishna's divinity. So there are some emergency situations when suddenly the forest fire comes up and the Gopas pray to Krishna or Indra started, starts breaking havoc and in the Vrajavasis pray to Krishna. But those are very rare. Mostly the Vrajavasis is not praying to Krishna but praying for Krishna. So this, but this is the first time when there is a prayer to Krishna. And significantly this prayer is not by a Vrajavasi. This prayer is by who offers this prayer to Krishna? Yes, Nalakuvar and Manigriu. That after Krishna releases them for their three bodies, they offer prayers to Krishna. And their prayers are quite instructive. So basically for all of us, if we consider, we can all aspire for the level of love that Mother Yashoda has for Krishna, that the Brajivasis have for Krishna. That is our aspiration. But at the same time, for us, what is much more relatable is the prayers that Nalakur and Maniguru offer. Because they are beholding these pastimes as trees in Vrindavan in the, in the Maharaj's courtyard. And they are marveling at those pastimes. And they understand that although they have, behold, they have beheld these pastimes for a long time, out of their humility, they think we are not yet qualified to enter into those pastimes. So they say, Vani Gudanu Kathane Shravanau Kathayam. They say, basically they offer prayers saying that, let all our senses be engaged in your service. Let we speak your glories with our mouth. Let we hear your glories with our ears. Let our hands be engaged in your service. Let our eyes 
we hold it's interesting what they say is drishtav tanam bhavat tanunam drishtav tanubhutam bhavat tanunam they say that let us behold the form of your devotees because beholding them is not different from beholding you now what are they meaning by this here they are thinking of the devotees like the brajavasis their love for krishna is so much that see in general looking at krishna and beholding krishna will bring some devotion in our heart but if we see somebody who is deeply devoted to krishna when we come in the presence of saintly devotees our spiritual master other saintly devotees you know just by seeing the intensity of their devotion to krishna devotion to krishna is enriched in our is awakened in our hearts so just darshan of krishna is important but darshan of those who are devoted to krishna that is more potent or often can be more potent in awakening devotion to krishna they say that we had the darshan of all these exalted vrajavasis so please let us keep having those darshan that darshan and this is the mood of the bhagavatam now parikshit maharaj is he appeared you could say two generations later many of us may sometimes feel we were not when we understand about prabhupada's glories and the wonderful ways in which krishna consciousness was spread may feel you know i came one or two generations later i didn't get the you know prabhupada parikshit maharaj was like that you know, he came after krishna had come and departed he didn't really get to have any direct interaction with krishna of course he was protected by krishna in his mother's womb but no interaction after that he was his life long is searching for krishna that's the that's the very implication of his name but he saw krishna through seeing and hearing shukadev goswami he is completely immersed in krishna so for all of us the damodar leela is both a reminder of the wonderful nature of the love of krishna and his as devotees in vrindavan at the same time it is also especially to the kind of prayers for bhakti that are offered by nalakulmani grave it is a pointer towards how we can find our path from where we are towards krishna so the the, the prayer of satyavrat muni is which we sing the damodar ashtakam is also similar there are initial first two verses are describing the past time the remaining six verses are actually describing satyavrat muni's heart and he is aspiring let me remember you lord let me behold you let me relish your past times please bless me with bhakti so this is a month where we can also offer our hearts prayers to krishna that we may all be enriched with devotion and progress thus towards the eternal world of devotion that is demonstrated through the damodar leela so i'll summarize i spoke today about three ways in which damodar leela is special what are the first then you remember yeah no villains there are no demons directly in the leela and that what does it do like a movie with no villains then for it to be intriguing there has to be a deeper glimpse into the minds and hearts of the characters so among if you look at the various past times still now this past time gives us a deeper deepest glimpse in the heart of mother yashoda and the heart of krishna and second was fear it is the first past time where krishna exhibits fear and from philosophical perspective this is incomprehensible because krishna is the so- source of both fearlessness and fear 
the healthy fear that we should not displease him by transgressing boundaries and the fearlessness when we are living within boundaries. But then how is it that Krishna feels fear? That is because Krishna wants not only to himself relish multiple relationships, but he also wants his devotees to relish all the flavors within those relationships. So in the Vatsalya Ras, one of the special flavors is that that is a relationship where our need to feel needed is most fulfilled. And that Krishna wants to provide that for his devotees. For those devotees, for his mother Yashoda. So he acts in a mischievous way and he runs away and then he feels fearful. So the mother Yashoda feels the need that I have to discipline him and then she disciplines him appropriately. And well, normally we would think that God should not have any fear. But when Krishna exhibits fear, that indicates like when some very senior person, they start, when parents start sharing their problems with the children, it indicates that the parents have tr now trust their children to be grown up enough and being trustworthy. So it indicates an intimacy of relationship. And last was prayers. So prayers to Krishna. So Rajivasis, they offer prayers for Krishna. Because they don't really think of Krishna as God. They know, but that's not how they think of him primarily. So there is both that awareness, non-awareness, based on Gargamuni's selective disclosure of truth. But the Nalakuvir and Manigriv, they offer prayers to Krishna. And that's how they, they set an example for us. While we aspire for the love of the Rajivasis for Krishna, but we can act emulating the prayers of Nalakura Manigriv and aspire to engage in bhakti and thus progress towards the increasing enrichment of heart that is revealed in this Damodar Leela. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Any questions or comments? Yes. In the mic. Thank you for the wonderful class, Prabhu. Prabhu, in this uh, Damodar pastime, there is also a significance of um, how Narad Muni came into picture, and then he was the one that was sort of the cause of their deliverance because of his mercy. Um, but every time we hear about Damodar pastime, it's mostly about Yashoda Mai and Krishna and is that because we human beings are more relatable to them, the, the you know, Arjuna trees and... Uh okay, good question. So we don't focus so much on Narad Muni in this pastime. Focus more on Yashoda Mai and Nalakur Manikri. Not necessarily, it depends on how, how much detail we are going into the pastimes. So, it's again to take a movie analog. In a, in a movie, there are certain characters who are prominently present. Now, some characters may have a lot of influence, but they may not be prominent characters. Like, say, if there is a movie about kings fighting against, uh, king fighting against some other aggressors. Now, the king might have had an ancestor who was a great hero. That ancestor is not here right now, 
But that ancestor's memory, that ancestor's example, that ancestor's strategies, they're all being used. So sometimes somebody may be a presence, but not a, without being a prominent actor. So their influence has to be seen accordingly. So maybe if a person just watches the movie, maybe then at that time, that person doesn't seem very prominent. But then you read some reviews, maybe here read some backstory. Oh, okay, this person is so important. And then you just see, maybe keep seeing the photo of that person, keep seeing that the hero is thinking about it. Who is this person? So it's like that. Narad Muni is not a prominent, active person in this past time. But his influence is very much there. So, in one sense, uh, after Krishna, Narad Muni is the most present character in the Bhagavatam. The Krishna is, at least a reference to Krishna is there in all the cantos of the Bhagavatam. And after that, there is not just a reference, there is also the appearance of Narad Muni in almost all the cantos of Srimad Bhagavatam. So he is special character. And for those who know, yes, his significance is there. But these are the primary characters who act, who feature in this past time. Okay, thank you. Any other questions or comments? Yes, Shashi Prabhu. Hare Krishna Prabhu. Thank you, Prabhu. Um, the need to be needed um, is that at the soul level or is that the mind and the body level? Okay. Is the need to be needed at the level of uh, some a need at the level of the soul or is it the level of the body and mind? See, I'm not sure whether they can be differentiated like that so rigidly. Uh, it is there is the need to love and be loved. That comes from the soul. Now, depending on the body and the mind, that need may be ex that longing may be expressed in different ways. So similarly, at the level of the soul also, if you consider the five rasas, one of the key differences between Shanta and Dasyaras also is this need to feel needed. In Shantaras it is, Krishna is so great. Oh, oh, I can't do anything for him. I can just admire him, nothing else. But in Dasyaras, yes, Krishna is great and I want to do something for him. I want to assist him, I want to serve him. So, Om Purnam Adha Purnam Idam. If you focus only on the philosophical level, Krishna is perfect and complete. He doesn't need any of us. So, that is the, at the spiritual level also, as our relationship with Krishna becomes more and more personal, there is a desire to serve. And even Yoga Maya creates that feeling within the devotee's heart that I am needed by Krishna. Not just I need Krishna, but Krishna needs me. And that's how the relationship becomes sweet. When Krishna is playing the flute and he's calling the gopis for the Ras Leela, it is both the gopis see that as both a Krishna needing them and Krishna wanting them. Both. So, it is there at the spiritual level also. Especially in the more intimate pastimes. Uh, more intimate rasas. And at the material level also, it is there. Now sometimes the need to feel needed 
can, depending on whether it is Sattvaguna, Rajaguna, Thamaguna, it can express itself in various ways. Like in Tamoguna, what happens is, the need to feel needed leads to us creating deliberate dependence among our subordinates. That means there is, um, psychology sometimes talk about how sometimes some mothers, or not the mothers, parents, they may not want their child to grow up so that they have something, someone who needs them and they take care of them always. So now our need to feel needed should not impede the growth of somebody else. So, uh, so, so that is, if that happens, then the need to feel needed becomes tamasic, is expressed in a tamasic way. Where rather than aiding the growth of the other person, we impede the growth of the other person. Am I addressing your question or your question is something else? Okay. Any last question before we stop? Yes, please. Hare Krishna Prabhu. Can we experience all the five rasas in our one life? Can we experience the five rasas in our life? Which are talking about five rasas in relationship with Krishna or yes. in this world? In relationship with Krishna. Okay. Well, in this world, it depends on karma. Karma means, you know, so if somebody has a lot of good karma, they may have fans. So that's like Shantaras, you know. Of course, most fans are not very Shanta in this world. <laughs> so, <laughs> but there is, see, we also in this world look for all the relationships. We want people who admire us. We want people who are sisters. We want friends. We want parents. We want lovers. So, that is something which is a, we have that longing because we are parts of Krishna and Krishna has that longing. Now, in our relationship with Krishna, we have a particular rasa. So, our primary experience of Krishna is in that rasa. However, that does not mean that other rasas are incomprehensible for us. We do understand and appreciate devotees in other rasas also. At the same time, it is uh, we experience Krishna in one particular rasa. The Bhaktivinoda Thakur in his uh, I think Jaiva Dharma both talks about this that now is the rasa always fixed? Prabhupada generally took the position Swarupai, our Swarupai is fixed. But Bhaktivinoda Thakur took a slightly different position. Uh, he takes uh, talks about how there is this devotee who is on the spiritual path, he meets the Gaudiya Vaishnava Guru. And the Gaudiya Vaishnava Guru goes to Simhasiddha Pranali in the Sakharas. And then he is doing meditation Sakharas. And after some time he comes back and he says to the Guru that, you know, I, f I don't feel satisfied, I don't feel enriched. Then the, then the, then the Guru gives him Siddha Pranali in the Madhurya Ras. So, so then he does meditation accordingly and he feels very deeply enriched by that. So, Bhaktivinoda Thakur see, now some, some of the Gaudiya Acharya, subsequent Gaudiya Acharya say that Bhaktivinoda Thakur is here illustrating that Madhuri Ras is higher than the Sakya Ras. So he is not necessarily illustrating that Swarupa is changeable. But the point is we do have relationship with Krishna in one flavor, primarily. Okay. Of course there is Arjuna who is said to be expansion of Ishaka Sakhi. Yeah. So then there are two forms which can experience in two different Rasas also. 
But the important thing is right now, let us start with Dasyaras. You know, that is a, a mood of service is there in all relationships. Once we develop that, then whichever specific rasa we are connected with, that will be revealed eventually. Thank you very much. Shri Krishna Bhagavan ki, Damodar Lila ki, Shri Prabhupada ki, Gaur Premanande.